You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Good morning. We're so glad you could tune in. If you're watching online, good morning to you, and happy Father's Day as well. So for all of you who are fathers, those of you who want to be fathers, those of you who are grandfathers or fathers because somebody else walked out, hey, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We hope you have an amazing Father's Day. We do have some, um, some Father's Day cards located in our bathroom, so if that, the fact that I just said Father's Day comes as a shock to you, let me just tell you, if you need a card, we have provided one in our restrooms for you just in case you forgot. It's our gift to you, and so uh, we, we think it should be a big deal. We want to help you out. So take one if you like them. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's a free gift. We want to make sure you understand your tithe money paid for it, so it's yours. So take it. Uh, grab your Bibles, if you would. Romans chapter 8 is where the Lord's leading us. Romans chapter 8. There's so many good things that are in this chapter, and for the sake of time, we're not going to read through the whole thing, but I want to bring you something that uh, I think is going to help you and encourage you and strengthen you. So as you're turning there, I want to just say thank you for all of you who are standing behind us with your generosity those of you who are tithing, those of you who are supporting us financially, thank you, thank you, thank you. We were able to partner with another ministry this past week and, and do a lot of things that, uh, that we don't get to necessarily spend a whole lot of time talking about, but I want to just try to highlight as much as I can and just let you know how appreciative I am uh, for the simple fact that we can say yes when people have a need. Uh, we have a group, of, a group of people that are going down to spend some time in Uvalde and are going to bring, uh, bring backpacks and school supplies for, uh, for 500 kids that it's gonna have a, a, a crazy time going back to school this year. And so we wanna try to make that as seamless as possible for many of those students who have been affected by the horrific events that happened just a few short weeks ago. And so because of your generosity, we're able to do things like that. And so I just wanna say thank you on their behalf. Thank you. It means a lot to a lot of people. So for those of you that are supporting us financially, we appreciate it. It's a big deal. Uh, Romans chapter eight, I wanna bring a message today called The Daddy Dilemma. Somebody say, The Daddy Dilemma. And I tried to call it, who's your daddy? But, but my wife said no, so you're welcome. But if you would rather have who's your daddy as your title, you can take it up with her. She's the second voice of the Holy Spirit, and sometimes, you know, sometimes she's right. So I want it to be called who's your daddy, but it's not. It's called the daddy dilemma. And so we're getting into Jesus' word in, in, in Romans chapter 8. Uh, but I, I really was led by the Spirit to not just do Romans chapter 8, but John chapter 8. And so... If you like to dig in deeper to the word, if you like a challenge this week, I want to encourage you, read Romans 8 and John chapter 8. They work together uh, just hand in glove. It's a fantastic reflection of, of two different viewpoints of exactly the same idea. And so in John chapter 8, uh, the Pharisees and believers are questioning the legitimacy of Jesus' ministry, and they bring up the topic of his father. Now, when they talk about Jesus' father, Jesus is referring to God the Father, but they're using that father as an insulting term about Joseph, Jesus's earthly father. You see, they understand that there was some controversy around Jesus's origin story. They know that uh, his, his mother claims that she was impregnated by an angel, you know, that there's this story that Mary came up with, and it's obvious through the way that they approach Jesus, they ain't buying it. And so they say stuff like, hey, you keep talking in your, in your sermons, you keep talking about your Father, they asked Jesus, where is your father? Almost a slap in the face. Yeah, we know about your dad. We know something about you. Where's your, where's your father? That father that you're talking about, where's he at? Because we're not sure who that is. 
And in those moments, I love Jesus's response because he comes back to that cancel culture. That's what it is. We know something about you. We know your backstory. We ain't buying it. You've got some dirt in your past. You're not a legitimate son. You're, you're not who you say you are. Jesus comes back with the simple truth. He said, you don't know me. You don't know me and you don't know my father. You think you do, but you don't know where I come from. As a matter of fact, he says, if you knew my father, you'd recognize me. You'd believe in me. They go on to say stuff like, you know, who is your daddy? And, and I, 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 I think about that simple phrase because it brings me a, a little bit of joy when you think about people asking Jesus, who's your daddy? Uh, and so I had to go and do a deep dive on that. Like, where did that come from? Why did we even say, who's your daddy? Did you know that that came from the 1700s? Some of you thought it came from the 80s. Like, no. <laughs> this goes back a long time as a term of, of insult. And then when you want to tell somebody, I own you, you know, who's your daddy? And this is kind of what they're doing to Jesus. You know, who is your daddy? We, we're not sure who that is. But Jesus comes back and he says, you, if you really knew who my father was, you, you'd believe in me. And then he starts talking about their father. And they say, well, we have Abraham as our father. He said, no, you don't. If you really had Abraham as your father, you'd do what Abraham did. The Bible tells us Abraham believed and it was counted to him righteousness. So he says, if you really had Abraham as your father, more than just the blood that runs in your veins, you'd, you'd do what Abraham did. He, he believed, but you don't believe. So then they tried door number two. They said, well, uh, we have God as our father. He said, wrong on both accounts. And Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil. Well, I love how Jesus just takes it up a notch. Let's take it to DEFCON 4. <laughs> Who's my daddy? Let me tell you who your daddy is. Your daddy's the devil. They're, and, and they're wondering, why in the world would you say that? He said, because you have murder in your heart. You want to kill me. And that's what Satan was from the beginning. He said he was a murderer. He's a liar. He's a thief. That's who you're behaving more like right now. So you think you have one father. You, you might think you have a different a view of what you think you are, but Jesus exposes their hearts. And it shows us that just because someone knows the word does not make them a child of God. And this is a problem for a lot of people who assume that because I've read the Bible, I am therefore a child of God. There's a very different perspective that Jesus puts upon people who, by the way, understood the word of God better than anybody in this room put together. Huge portions of scripture memorized. But Jesus says, it's amazing to me that you search the scriptures and they all point to me and you don't see it. He said, instead, you want to kill me. It tells me who your daddy is. So I believe that the more we understand about who our heavenly father is, the more we understand what a child of God is supposed to look like. And it's more than rules and religion and words on a page. But we understand who God is and who he's called us to be as his children. And so Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul gets into uh, what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be adopted into the family of God, what it means when we say, I am a, a child of God, what does that look like? How can I prove it? He doesn't give us a complete list, not here, but he gives us some things that I want to focus on just for the sake of Father's Day today. And so he brings us into to three simple truths. I want to point those out to, if you, to you. If you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down. Three different things. 
that are gonna help you. So we're gonna start in Romans chapter eight and I'll pull these things out as we go. Uh, Romans eight, we're gonna start in verse 14. Paul says this, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit that you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So Paul lays out this amazing argument proving what it means to be a, a child of God. More than just words on a page or knowledge of the word. More than just reading or studying about something, but to truly have a relationship with God. And for him to become your father, it's going to have some markers in your life. And he kind of exposes some of the hypocrisy that we buy into. We, there's a myth that still floats in our culture today that tells us this truth. We're all God's children. And we find that, uh, I believe that the reason why we say it is a good reason. We want people to understand that in spite of our differences, we have something in common. But when we say we're all God's children, it shows that you don't understand scripture. Just like the Pharisees are saying, we know who our father is. And Jesus says, no, you don't. Like, well, that may not be him, but it's him. Like, no, 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 it's actually him. You don't know. Until we see your heart. He gives us the markers of who our dad is, and he, he shows us that, no, there's, there's, there's something different about children of God. We're, we're going to have some different markers. John echoes this sentiment in John chapter 1. He says, but to all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's a little different than just saying, well, we're all God's children. According to this, that's not true. There's a becoming that needs to take place. So if you've ever called in sick to work um, and you were actually sick, just that, that's for a different message at a different time. If you, if you have a problem with lying, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. If you ever had to be sick from school and you, you had to stay home and you, you know, your mom might make you the chicken soup or maybe they give you a little can of Sprite and put the trash can next to, your, next to the couch and put the remote there and you're, you're gonna have to make some decisions. And first of all, you're gonna figure out that the only thing that's left on television besides soap operas, and we ain't watching soap operas, we're not 104, is The Price is Right, right, remember that? You ever watch The Price is Right and you're like, come on, come on say the right number, like, bid a dollar, you're not even close. He said without going over, like, you, you know you went over, like, idiot. You gotta watch The Price is Right, and then at some point you gotta decide after that, which version of trash TV are you about to watch? Now, don't look at me like I'm the only unholy person here. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't always saved. You're like, okay, how bad is it? So you can look, you'll look at what's on this one and what's on this one, what's on Judge Judy and what's on Jerry Springer. Remember those? And then you're going to come across Mari Povich. And Mari Povich used to do some serious shows until he hit upon something that just gave his ratings a huge boost, right? The, the who's your daddy? And the crazy thing is, you are going to learn things that they won't teach you in school. You're going to learn them on a sick day by watching Mario Povich. Did you know that 100% doesn't mean everything? Did you know that? I learned this because when they say, 
how sure are you that this man is the father of this baby? They'll say, 150%. I didn't know that was a thing. But they never say 100. It's always a number more than 100. And by the way, the higher that that number goes, the less of a chance that he is actually the father. Come on, somebody. You've seen it, see? You're bearing witness with me. We've been there. I'm a thousand percent sure that this man, and then they'll take the picture of the father and they'll hold it up next to the baby and you're like, mm-hmm, I see it. I, he, he needs to take care of that baby. And then two things are gonna happen. They're either gonna say, you are the father and that person's gonna feel like the weight of the world just hit them. Now I've gotta take care of this kid. All right, I guess I was proven it wrong. And it's always this like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do what I have to do. Or you're going to see the other side of all hell breaking loose when he says the words, you are not the father. Because that lady's going to take off running towards the couch and throw a fit like a two-year-old child that just got told no. Come on, somebody. And that dad's going to do three or four backflips at 300 pounds. Like, you didn't even know that guy could get up, but he's going to start doing backflips, doing high fives. You are not, I told you, I told you, I told you, you are not the father. And that's not what really happens when Jesus confronts the Pharisees. He says, your dad's not who you think he is. You have your father, the devil, because you've got murder in your heart. You're not really children of God, but you think you are. So today, according to the Apostle Paul, I wanna give you three things that help to show us that the DNA results are in. Remember that moment? They say the DNA results are in. We're gonna go to commercial, but you gotta come back, right? Because the DNA results are in. I'm about to open up this package And prove to you, in the case of this little kid, you will be right back after this commercial break. Like, oh, come on! And there's just enough time to go to the bathroom and come back real quick. Anybody remember that? Running to the bathroom? Trying to run back before the commercial. This is back before DVR. I'm dating myself, but you know, there was no pause on TV. Pause. The DNA results are in. I want to show you what does the Apostle Paul say a child of God looks like. And we're able to look at our lives and look at what the scripture says and say, okay, does my life look like this? And it helps to expose some areas of our heart that many of us still have, like the Pharisees, of foolishly believing that I know. Here's the first thing thing that God's word shows us. Uh, Number one, God's children are led by his spirit. He's very clear about it. The entire chapter is devoted to being led by the Spirit of God. Now, when he says led by, it's a metaphor for daily, practical living. That means if the God that you say that you serve doesn't affect Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're not a child of God. You're a person that went to a building and heard a sermon. That doesn't make you a child of God. You attended an event, but that event hasn't taken root in your heart it produces no lasting change. It's not producing anything in your life. You, you wasted some time. God's children are led by his spirit. And I think when we, when we have this in our mind, we think, okay, the Holy Spirit's gonna correct my behavior. Um, it, it's a lot more than that. Don't, don't sell him short. The Holy Spirit doesn't just correct, he directs. He directs. He wants to lead and he wants you to follow. And his leadership is better than yours. Why do we need his leadership? Because life is confusing. 
Life has questions. Life has things that we need answers to. God, am I going left? Am I going right? Do you want me to stay at this job? Do you want me to quit this job? Do you want me to go and ask for a raise or do you want me to take it easy and chill out for a little bit? Do you want me to get married? Do you want me to not get married? Am I called to live alone for the rest of my life? Am I supposed to be divorced? Am I supposed to be together? What what are you saying to me, God? What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? Life gets confusing. And all of that confusion and all of our indecision and second guessing creates tension. A lot of tension. And that tension is gonna have to be medicated in some way. Gonna have to find a way to deal with it. Because life gets tense when you don't have answers to your questions, when you can't get direction, when you don't know what to do, when you're not sure about what decision to make next. And the Bible tells us in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When we're not led by God's spirit, you're gonna find yourself completely unstable. But the leading of the Holy Spirit brings stability. Let me just tell you, when God's word is clear, when you know what God has called you to do, when you know what he said, when he said go left, you went left, there's a peace that comes. There's a stability that comes when you know I did what you told me to do. The Holy Spirit and his leading brings stability to our life. That's the reason why in the most famous chapter of all time in Psalm 23, David says, he leads me beside still waters. And then it goes on to say, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit leading your life is not gonna lead you into unrighteousness. And people will still do that. Well, I felt like I was led. I had a peace about it, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave her and get with somebody else. I, I know that she's married to him, but the Holy Spirit said I could do it. Like, no, he didn't. That ain't led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that is. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead you into sin, but it brings stability, and it leads you in the paths of righteousness. And it helps us to differentiate between what we think is right and what the Holy Spirit says is right, what our friends think is right, what the Holy Spirit says is right, what the world says is right, what culture says is right, what everyone can agree upon is right, and then that's what the Holy Spirit says. So in order to be led by the Holy Spirit, we have to make some decisions. Who gets to lead? Am I in charge of this thing? Is it what I say goes? Does everyone need to bow to my will? Or am I led by the Holy Spirit? And I submit to what he says because he knows better than me. Am I led by what my friends think? Am I led by what culture says is appropriate and approved? And by the way, that will change a lot if you're gonna be led that way. Or am I going to be led by the Spirit of God? Let me say it this way. If I wanna be led by the Spirit, I cannot be led by everything else. I'm gonna have to make a choice. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you're gonna serve. That's for me and my house. We're gonna serve the Lord. You have to make a choice. Exodus echoes that. He says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Lord, you're leading me in paths of righteousness. God's children are led by his spirit. Even Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. At this church, we want to create an environment where you can get to know God better. It's part of our vision. It's part of what we do and why we do it. We want you to understand the voice of the Lord. We want you to hear from him. We want you to not just hear a good message. We want you to hear from the Lord. We want you to be able to say, I know for a fact that God is ordering my steps. He's leading me. I'm a child of God. At the end of your life, you're gonna stand before the Lord. 
and I want you to know him. I want you to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not gonna say, you went to the right church, you heard some good messages, so that, that happened, we're gonna let you in. That's not in there. That puts way too much pressure on me. Here's number two, the DNA results are in. Here's what God's children look like. Number two, God's children will find freedom as they walk. As we are led by the Spirit of God, not only are we gonna lose the tension with life's questions, we're gonna start finding some freedom. Freedom from the same anger and the rage and the bitterness and the sin and the addiction and the poor relationships and the bad choices. Those things begin to fall away because God's Spirit leads us into the path of righteousness for his name's sake. God's children are led by his Spirit and we find freedom as we walk. Paul says, the Spirit does not make you slaves again. What's he talking about there, slaves? That, that, that American view of freedom is, is different than what he's talking about here. He doesn't, doesn't mean just slaves to some dictator. He said, no, you're, you're becoming a slave to your sin. But God's Spirit leads you out of that. Gives you freedom from that. You don't have to live committing the same things over and over and over and over again, wondering, well, I'm not getting any better. So God's children are gonna be led by the Spirit. They're gonna start walking into freedom as they yield to what the Spirit says is right. He's not gonna fight you for control. You have to let him lead. We become slaves to our sin, become slaves to our religious traditions. We become slaves to all the rules. It's amazing to me how Christians will, will find that freedom being led by the Spirit. And then when people are attracted to that, say, how in the world are you getting, you're not the same kind of person that you used to be. You're, you're different. What, what is fun to us is, is not, you, what is it about you? And then what we'll give them in return is a list of rules. How crazy is that? That's not where you found freedom. This is exactly what the Pharisees were telling the entire world. There's a list of rules. You better do these things. I said it this way. That's our tendency to find freedom in God and then to create rules to keep others from finding him. Your freedom won't be found in the rules. Your freedom is found in the relationship and through the leading of the Holy Spirit. He leads us in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. God's children find freedom as they walk. It's, it's a deliverance from our former self. It's a deliverance from religion. It's deliverance from all the ways that we used to be. Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Or suddenly my eyes are open. I, I can see. And he says, now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all are being transformed into his image, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. He says God's children, as they're led by God's Spirit, they're going to find freedom. Now, we will take that scripture, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we apply that to church services. Because we'll say, if God's Spirit is there, that means I can do whatever I want. And I'm going to use my gift, and I'm going to do backflips, and I'm going to run down front, and I'm just going to feel my liberty. If I want to stand up and have open mic night, let's stand up and have open mic night. That's not what it says. Read it in context. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom from you. From you. One of the things we say here is that the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Does this make sense with anybody? The children 
of God are going to be led by his spirit. and They're going to find freedom. The Bible calls this sanctification. It pulls things out of our life that don't belong. And so if you call yourself a Christian, but you're never changing, my friend, you got some questioning to do. There's a change that needs to take place. There's, I'm supposed to be looking like the Lord. This is, this is, this is supposed to produce something different, but I'm, I'm the same. I'm not getting any better. God's children find freedom as they walk. Now, one of the cruelest things that we can do to you as a church is tell you that you can find freedom and never show you how to get that. That's cruel. We've built a system. We've built our church around helping people get rid of their yesterdays to walk differently than the way that they came in here, to submit to the authority of God's word and allow it the opportunity to do its work inside of each of us. We want you to have a church that helps you find freedom. That's what we're doing here. Here's the third. The DNA results are in. Here's number three that tells us what God's children are supposed to look like. God's children, Paul says, will share. Will share. Let me just tell you, for anyone who's ever had the privilege of becoming a parent, you know that there is a battle coming right about the time that they start adding in words to their life. So, here's the crazy thing. What I found more often than not, that mother will carry that baby for nine months, have 16 weeks of heartburn, go through all kinds of labor, and the baby's first words will be, dada. You're like, no, that's not happening. This can't happen. Dada, you better say mama, right? But somewhere in those top three or four words, you're gonna, you're gonna hear them come up with dada and then the word no, right? No. Like, they say no before they say mama, sometimes. It shows you which ones are called to the ministry. Like, right? This one's gonna be hard-headed. That's the one that God used. Dada, no. And then somewhere in there, they learn their very first four-letter word, mine. I'll write that down for next service. That's good. Their baby's first four-letter word, mine. It is difficult to get into the mindset of a child something greater than their self and their own needs. Do you see this? It's difficult to teach children how to share. Some of them don't even, some of you never learned it. Like, no, this is my world. It's all about me. Not only is it difficult to teach a baby the concept of something other than themselves, it's difficult to teach that to people that call themselves children of God. But if you call yourself a child of God, you're going to think of something in terms of something greater than yourself. God calls us out of just this life and just about what God can give me we start sharing. We start doing crazy things like Jesus said, we're laying our lives down. This is where I think many of us have a major issue. It proves that perhaps our father is not who we think he, he is and our relationship with, with God is not what we think it is because it's, it doesn't produce anything different in me. I'm only concerned with me. It's difficult to teach Children to share, and it's difficult to teach people how to share. We don't want to. It doesn't produce a, 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 a let me just tell you this way. You're not gonna have a 20% giving increase when you start preaching messages about sharing. And Paul says you're gonna share in his sufferings. No. No Thanks. I like the second part where he said, share in the glory, right? 
I want to, I want, let's, let's talk about that part. But sharing in sufferings, no, he said this is a marker of the children of God are going to be able to share in the sufferings. Let me just tell you, uh, whether you're a child of God or not, you're going to walk through suffering. Every life has it. Every life has it. But even on our worst days, it's better with Jesus. The difference between children of God and children of Satan, children of Abraham, children of whoever your daddy is, the difference is we can suffer for the glory of God. His, his DNA markers become something that boils to the surface of our life when we walk through tough times. He says we don't become slaves to fear. We're not slaves to religion and traditions and things that make us walk backward. All of a sudden, it produces something in us. And it helps us to see that there's something bigger than me. It's difficult to preach messages about sharing and suffering. It ain't popular. We don't want to hear it. But let me just share this with you. When you're walking through some difficult situations, this is what you need. You don't need something that helps you feel good. You need something that tells you the truth. Okay, Lord, if I'm a child of God, I'm going to have to walk through some difficult stuff. The good news is your word tells me you're with me. You're with me. I want to remind you, the suffering is a part of Christianity that we don't like to talk about. But there is a big difference between just suffering and suffering well. And you've probably seen it. That's where the, the children of God really bowl to the surface. That's where you start shining like gold. In the midst of the worst of our days, like our faith gets even stronger. We press in. We know God more. We don't shrink back in fear because this is it's not what I was called to. That poor theology will leave us in a, in a horrible place when you're walking through difficult days. People's theology breaks down when they walk through suffering. I want to remind you of this. I found a great quote this week from Augustine. It just rocked me. It says, God had one son on earth without sin, but never has he had one without suffering. I want to leave that up there on the screen for you to see it. You're going to need this. This will help you. God's children will walk through suffering. God's children will walk through suffering. You've been through two and a half years of it. You've walked through some stuff. And look at you. You're still here. I'm still here. I'm still standing. Still declaring his praise. I saw you raising your hands today, worshiping God with the fruit of your lips. I'm still here in spite of what I've had to walk through. I'm still here. I'm still willing to be led by his spirit. I'm still trying. I'm still walking. Why? Because I'm a child of God. And it's not just for the good days. But for the bad days too. He's still worthy. Because he's my father and he deserves it. And I get to share in his glory but also have the great privilege of sometimes having a share in the suffering. I love what Paul ends this thought with in Romans 8, verse 18. He says, but I consider this, that our present sufferings, they are not worth comparing to the glory that's gonna be revealed. And that's good news for us walking through a difficult situation today. What's coming is better. If I let God's spirit lead, if I let him use this situation to work out something in my flesh, his word reminds us God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's you and that's me if we are children of the most high God. Let me tell you, the DNA results are in. 
and it looks like he's my father. That's good news for me. You know, I think one of the greatest things that it tells us, it says we are adopted into his family. We're adopted to sonship. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but we have the, the privilege of being around many, many uh, families that have adopted uh, children that didn't have uh, parents, didn't have a home. Perhaps you're one of those that other people took you in and raised you as one of their own. One of the coolest things that you will ever see. It's crazy. Over the course of time, those that are adopted will start looking like and acting like their non-birth parents. You ever seen that? You need to notice this. It's crazy. They start taking on their mannerisms. They start taking on their values. They start taking on the little things that, that make you you. And I love through God's amazing grace and his plan that they start looking and thinking, acting like, behaving like those that didn't originally birth them. That's good news for us as believers that God shows us that reflected in those that have been neglected. God shows us that when I adopt, you start looking more like me. You become joint heirs with Christ. Things begin to fall off of your life. You start getting healing from your past. You find yourself in a place of health, strength. You're getting better. You're not the same. Your yesterdays don't have a hold over you any longer. That's the good news. So if this message hits you, if you feel like you want to take this a step farther, I'm going to give you a challenge. There are three different prayers that I'm going to offer you today. I want to show them on the screen for you to have a chance to have a conversation with your father. And the first of those simple prayers I'm going to give you is, number one, Holy Spirit, will you lead me today? Now this, by the way, is a loaded prayer. You want to have some fun? Start being spirit-led. Be spirit-led. Now, there's a big difference between uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of your conscience, right? God's given every person on this planet the voice of your conscience. But through sin, we violate that voice of our conscience. And we, Paul says you begin to sear it where you're not listening to that anymore. You're listening to your own lusts. The good news is when you're born again, God gives his Holy Spirit. It takes control and he begins to lead if you let him. So Holy Spirit, will you lead me today? It's the most powerful scripture that you can declare over your day. Lord, I'm trusting you. Will you lead me? Will you show me? And when you show me, I'm gonna listen. It may sound crazy. It may not make sense, but I'm gonna trust you. And man, that's fun. It's fun to live that way as children of God actually being led by his spirit. Here's the second one. Holy Spirit, will you deliver me from any sin? Let me, just, let me promise you this. If the Holy Spirit's in your life, he wants to walk you free from sinful habits from attitudes, from the things that you look at and the places that you go, from things that you've told yourself, I'm okay, it's gonna be fine, God's just gonna forgive me. God wants to deliver you from those things. I wanna encourage you to let him. Life's better when you live it free. You can do this, and he wants to help. Holy Spirit, will you deliver me from any sin? And here's the third and final thing I wanna challenge you with if you're looking to go deeper with this. Number three, Holy Spirit, when difficulties cannot be avoided, help me to suffer well to show the world that I belong to you. God doesn't waste pain. He doesn't waste suffering. If you allow him to lead you, if you allow him to, the opportunity to be your father, he can take it and redeem it and use it to, be, to become something so beautiful. I'm living proof of what God can do with a broken life, with a messed up existence. I'm living proof that God can use his spirit and lead me out of my sin and out of my struggles 
and use that to make a testimony to help other people. If he's done it for me and he's done it for others in this room, he can do it for you. You are called to be a child of God. And that means something. It produces something. It makes a difference. That's you. That's me. As we finish up today, I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to invite you to have a moment with your Father. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? That's the prayer I want to invite you to pray. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I think the Holy Spirit wants to take you deeper in your walk with God than you've ever been. For some, he wants to lead you tomorrow. For others, the Holy Spirit's been telling you something for a while. And you've been putting it at the back of your mind. He wants to lead. Let him speak. He's good. He's good. He's really good. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I think if I've done my job correctly and if I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit right now for for some in this place today, the Holy Spirit is saying you have been incredibly cruel. Check your attitude. I've called you to love and to trust me, not to manipulate and control. Your attitude needs to change. My friend, God loves you. And there's something better waiting for you on the other side of that decision. Let him do it. Life is better when God's in control. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into every part of our lives as children of God. Lord, if we call ourselves that, we want to be led by your Spirit. Lead on. We will follow you. Lord, we respond to your word today by saying yes. Whatever your word says, we will do. We will do it. In Jesus' name. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, perhaps you're here today or perhaps you're watching online and you'll say, Pastor, if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know that I am a child of God. I'm not sure that I've ever really believed. I'm not sure that I've ever really asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life or to forgive me my sin. I'm, I'm not sure. My friend, you're in the right place. God led you here to this message for this reason. And this is your moment to become a child of God. And if that's you, you may say, oh, well, how do I do that? I want to help you. Just like somebody helped me one time, I want to help you. And it starts with a prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's a prayer that God promises he will hear and he will respond. Let me help you pray it. I'll I'll tell you what to say. I want to invite you right where you are to pray with me. I'll tell you. The prayer goes like this. Just say these words with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came. You died. I believe you rose from the grave too. I believe that you did that so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. Will you forgive me? Will you save me? Take over. I pray this, my friends. Say, Lord, I don't want to live my life my way anymore. I give it to you. Help me. Thank you for what you did for me. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was actually you and you say, Pastor... I prayed that prayer. I did it. I'm not ashamed of it. I prayed that prayer with you. Let me, just, let me just see your hand. Would you slip that up all across this place? That was me, Pastor. I did it. Good. 
Good. Anyone else today? Perhaps you're good. I see you. Good. If you're watching online, you say, I, I did pray that prayer, then do me a favor. On the screen is going to appear a phone number. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. If you will text the words, I prayed, to that number that's appearing on your screen, and if you're sitting in here today, that number is appearing on the screen right behind me. If you pray that prayer, I want to invite you to text me. When you do that, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to send you some things. It's my free gift to you that will help you understand what just happened inside of your heart and then what to do next. It would be my greatest honor to help you in your faith walk with Jesus. You started on a journey today, and it's a good one. We want to help you. We're proud of you. Good for you. For everyone else, go ahead and look up at me if you would and stand to your feet. It's been such an honor bringing God's word to you here today. I pray that you receive something from this that will help you and encourage you and strengthen you. I wanted to say for everybody that joined groups this week, you guys are awesome. We have many, many people join groups and we've, we're already full, which is crazy. Um, many of you joined awesome groups. I'm hearing some great reports about the freedom that's happening there and the relationships that are forming. We even had softball groups that launched this week. You guys are one and oh, you won your first game. That's awesome. The other team forfeited, but we won't say that. <laughs> or maybe we just did. I think what happened is we showed up and they took one look at us and said, okay, those are the children of God. We can't play them. We will, I don't know. One and oh is all that matters, right? We have our elders and their wives coming forward. These guys are gonna stay here at the end of this service to be available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe that when we join together and pray that the Lord hears us and he responds. So if you have some prayer needs, please, let us pray for you. If you're watching online and you liked what you heard today, if you enjoyed this message, go ahead and share that with your friends. Share it on social media. Click the share button. Uh, that would be much appreciated. And uh, if you want to title it, Who's Your Daddy? I'm, I'm not going to tell you different. But you don't have to. For everyone else, let me bless you and send you out. Father, would you bless my friends with an incredible week as they follow after your spirit all week long in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome day. I love you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.